710 ESPN presents The Experience, the Experience. with Laverne Cusack, where we go beyond the play and focus on athletes, fans, events, and the biggest issues that inspire and shape our lives. Here's the host of The Experience, Laverne Cusack. Laverne Cusack. Welcome back to The Experience here on 710 ESPN. We're continuing our conversation of authentic allyship, the movie Friction, the film Ogechi made, and ways we can contribute to our community. Ogechi Musa is a Nigerian-American conscious storyteller. She writes, directs, and self-produces untold stories through her platform as CEO and founder of Raw, R-A-W, Productions. Shiana Lyons is writing and producing projects with her husband, Federico. They formed Crazy Magic Media to create music and films. The music you hear in the show is their daughter, Kiera Lyons, singing her newest EP, available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your music. And Friction will be streaming on IndieNightOnDemand.com starting July 25th. This is great news. Check it out. I'm Laferne Cusack. This is 710 ESPN. You cannot kill time, for time cannot die They tell you to kill time, it's all lies If you lose time, then time you won't find You'll just have to leave the time you lost behind You can make time, but time will fly by just keeps flying by your whole life You will not win battle with time many have tried before you they've all died hurry back now hurry back now I don't care Experience never stops. Never stops on your station, 710 ESPN. Here's Laferne Cusack. This is part two of what we discussed last week, and you guys are so brilliant. I just had to have you back to talk about the film Friction and the process for that. Ogechi, can you talk about Friction and how it came together? Yes, most definitely. And thank you so much for having uh, me back before. I really, really enjoyed our first conversation. Um, and I'm glad to have me this too. opportunity to speak more about the film because it has a very interesting history that I didn't get to really speak too in depth about. The friction, it started with, like I said, I always give the shout out to Cygnus because she was the spark. She had the music that influenced, that brought us all together because at the end of the day, it was Darren Alexander Cole who gave me this, this confidence and the support that I had never received with my work or my my aspirations. Because initially, I had the dreams of becoming an actress. And low-key, that's, that's still there. You know, that's a hat that I always have, I want to revisit. Um, and that's why I kind of incorporate writing roles for myself as well, just because that was a method of kind of fighting this the issue of the um, diversity in Hollywood because there were always just the same roles, right? So that's why... I, I took it upon myself to make that decision to be a writer, make that decision to try to get roles that 
more so reflect the diverse uh, picture of, of a black woman, that diverse uh, background, you know, because it was all the same roles in the audition. Um, so I met Darren on set, actually, at on uh, Theory of Complex. So Ramon Olabudu, he is kind of like our godfather filmmaker. And he had this feature film about the um, Israel, uh, let me see here, yeah, the Palestine and Israel conflict. And he is, was shooting it in Boston. And during my year off, that's when I explored more so with my acting. So I auditioned, got the role, was auditioning while I was at BC as well, and really kind of was more so trying to do that career in general. I was going through a lot at BC, and it, it was this opportunity that I really put my all into. And I got casted in a role. And it was smaller. I also started to help on set. But I actually rewrote my scene because the scene that Luman put me in, there was, I was playing uh, a student. And I was just like, you know what? I just feel like this student wanted famous. And sometimes you need that help from that person who is that background. And I rewrote it. And I wrote my monologue. And Darren noticed that on set because he was the DP. So we already had a bond. But that kind of, I think that was the moment where he was like, whoa. A, you're a writer. B, you took that initiative. C, clearly you can help produce because I was helping produce that day, brought in actresses and whatnot. So he saw this whole picture of me as a filmmaker that I didn't even know, you know, that I could be that, reach that potential because I was just there as just an actress, which is the box that most people put themselves in. But then they right. can realize they need to do more, you know. So right. it started with Aaron inviting me to write. Um, and Signif had, he worked with Signif. And she had this album that she was trying to put out and all of the music was pertaining to the social injustices that we encounter in America as black people. So it started with that album and it was just a short film. So I wrote the short film and a lot of people dropped. It was, it ended up being like, um, I think pre-production, there's probably like six of us. And then it was just Darren and I. So at that point, we, he was like, all right, what do we do? I'm like, let's still do this. Let's make this. Let's film it. I'll act. So I wasn't supposed to be the lead. And then I'm like, hey, you know what? We already shot so many scenes. Like I produced, I like overproduced. I was still shooting <laughs> even though the main actress wasn't there, you know? So it was really, it was just like, hey, this, this is the work that we have right now. And all of that research in life that I had put into pre pre-production I just cannot let this go because of what it awakened in me started with listening to the music then it started with doing the research then it started with the nightmares I would have um and these are nightmares based off of me being a black sister based off of me worrying about my brothers based off of me seeing my mom's pain so it was just so personal at that point because I had to I had to make this artwork because it was how I was channeling so many things in that moment that I don't know what I would have done. That's why I channeled that violence in that show because I don't, I was so angry that I had to put it on a platform. So I'm very, very gracious for Darren to give me that platform for submit to spark that, that, that idea um, with the music because I took it places that I had no idea it was going to go. Um, and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and we shot the short. And then at some point I premiered the short and everyone's like, this is not a short. You need to continue. And I'm like, well, I have 50 more pages. I didn't shoot. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So then I just was like, let's make this into a feature. And, um, and that's, that's the birth of it. I think that's the long winded answer, but I wanted to really shout out the people who, who were there in the beginning of my career, because that's, that's it right there. It was Ramon's set. 
It was seeing Darren there. It was him inviting me to listen to the music to meet Signes. And, and then from there, it was really so much of being Black in America that fueled that script. Um, and that, yeah, that's the birth of it. Extra training hours, restricted bullet usage. They want everything whoa, to whoa, stay whoa. Slow as down, slow it down. is. I said to get off at the corner of University. The block we just passed. How much is it? 950? Okay, here's 10. They want to shut down this social revolution. So they're trying to cut down their resources, the street reformers. There are many conspiracy theories floating around the Joneses. So this is just new, this is new stuff for you. I mean, you just have to take it easy. Your body's naturally gonna encompass these positions that you're doing. You just didn't know how to move. All right, for instance, you didn't always know how to curve the soccer ball the way you do, right? It was conditioned into your system through practice. Yeah, I learned it in, um, in sight class. Pavy dogs, right? <laughs> no, uh, Pavlovian dogs. Whatever, same yeah. difference. Yeah. Right, look, I had a revelation. What if we conditioned police officers to think maybe I'm not a born criminal? Okay, exactly. It, that's called reconditioning. It's like positive brainwashing. That's what you're trying to do. That's like my whole ideal situation. Typical utopian L. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming over right there. That's an adjective. Okay. Oh, no, no. Trust me, that's not happening. That's yeah. not going to happen. Right? I learned it in hey. sight. <laughs> Have low your dogs. Yeah, Uber dropped me off. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Too far down Broadway. Here's your logic. If you had a your way, you would treat me like a dog and train me to think peace. I'm not like... I don't want to call you, I'm not calling you a What's dog. What's really good? Heard you was talking about dogs. <laughs> You're crazy, Jay. Finally. Come on. Uh, well, Shiana, I want, to, I want to get you in there, too. The Mateo and Cliff film is about a homeless uh, couple. Particularly, it's the story of the, the man. And I play his, his girlfriend. And they're, uh, they're addicts. And uh, she's, they're both, I guess, mentally Sort of have mental health issues as well. Go away. Get away from, from me. me. Yeah, I heard you. Who are you? No, no, you don't get to walk away. I asked you a question. Who are you? Why do you get to be the main character? Why can't I be the main character? I'm here all the time. I'm in every scene, every moment. And you, you Alone most of the day? All by yourself? No. Your true self is never on stage. That was the role I talked about last time that I really wanted and I got. <laughs> Thank you, Ogechi. And uh, I don't know if that's, if you're still thinking about making that into a feature, but I'd absolutely be on board. But, um, at the time, you said maybe you might. Oh yeah, most definitely. So yeah, that's that's the set. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I met Shiana, and she auditioned mm-hmm. for the short film that was just shot at the end of uh, 2019. So that's my most recent project, and I'm living in LA, based in LA. So I try to reflect what is occurring in the current times. Nina um, yeah. Simone is there's been this for her quote about an artist's responsibility is to reflect the times. And that is exactly what I'm seeing in LA. There's also a background to that script and that story 
um, being brought together with a group of people who wanted to make some type of artwork. And I'm a conscious storyteller, so and they knew that, and um, and that was the birth of Mateo and Cliff. And once again, doing the research, getting out there, being talking to so many homeless people, and interviewing, it's like another connection I made to a script that I couldn't mm-hmm. let go. And these stories need to be told, and there's so many. So many, well, I can't even, I don't even know the word, just so many, so many hills you have to climb. So many, right. Mm-hmm. Many bumps you got to recover from. Um, and Shiana really helped with that process because you definitely provided certain resources to get to uh, the child actors and you're always helping promote. And her husband actually is the musician who scored the film. So she has a deep connection with Mateo and Cliff um, and that's in post-production. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, uh, he is a talented guy. The firm is a fan of Federico. <laughs> yes, so, he's pretty great. So, Ogechi, you're writing these films and you're producing them, and you have all creative control over them, which is great. So, mm-hmm. what struck me is that you're doing these films, but it was created years ago. But you're still, we're still addressing the same issues today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I just want to see some babies visiting life. He had the sweetest baby face. Why am I here? I needed the face I saw at the funeral wasn't his face. It was half fashioned, and then he gets confronted. He's he's a suspect or some stupid bullshit. He was armed. Quentin wasn't armed, and he resists. He wouldn't resist anything. He never resisted. He didn't do anything. Listen to him. Apparently, they were looking for a second. That's. I mean, that's the core of conscious storytelling, and it's. It's just film is such an agent of change, and I think that the stories we are starting to tell is a truer narrative because there's just been so many false narratives. And what we're doing now, we're really trying to rewrite what the truth of the world. And that's adding more, that's having more representation on the screen and really telling the stories that we're, that we're always there, but we're never being told. And it's like, I really feel like film is such a positive, it actually could be a negative influence. It's, it's a power. And that's what you have. That's the dichotomy of power. Um, is it's there's positive and negative influences. So I think that there has not been enough uh, representation of Black people, of Black culture, of our style, our hearts, our everything. Um, and there's, it's just really been denigrated. And when you have right. a deep denigration of a group of people, Black people, it's like, that's what we you believe. What you see is what you believe. And so much knowledge of I mean, knowledge of so much things is through this media of film. And I feel like the reason that we're, we're recircling is because there's this new fire behind everything in friction. You know, this was written and finished years ago, but it's still so relevant because what we're addressing is systemic racism. What we're addressing is police brutality. So it's still relevant until, until there's some real change, until there's some real rebirth. Not even just a rewrite of of our narrative, but a rebirth of a system, you know. So I think it's it's going to be it's going to stay relative. Um, and I think that I, I'm hoping certain things 
in the film does not come into fruition because it's a, it's about a group of people who were frustrated to the point of taking justice in their whole, own hands, and they believe that mm-hmm. there is only going to be change if um, if the cops started being the victims as opposed to being the murderers. You know, they they were pushed to that point that they did not see any other solution because of what kept occurring. So it's really like a hey everyone, let's let's not let this happen. Let's, let's why don't we stop you know, why don't we stop and address before before it gets bad, you know? And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the the ending of friction is in itself it's a question mark. Like what really happened? Did Elle really do it? What is she supposed to be there? You know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot to break down. And I think that it's just so relevant because it also looks like the people who are protesting right now. And I'm part of that. Yeah. You know, it, we, I'm <laughs> representing, you know, really the representation <laughs> of us. Yeah. So it's, yeah. that's another huge thing about it. It looks like, it looks like what you're seeing on TV. Right. Shiana, I know you do a lot of spiritual work and what Ogechi touched upon is, you know, we can't, uh, we can't keep perpetuating the stereotypes in films and, um, what we see on TV. Yeah. Do you have yes. a spiritual take on that? Uh, yeah, because, you know, everything's energy, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think that's disputed, so I won't preface that with I believe, because <laughs> I think science shows that, <laughs> right. science shows that on a basic level, everything is, you know, um, on a level of energy that we cannot see, right? That and before it is something that we can see. Um, so um, there are so many different ways that an energy, an energy, sorry, can manifest. You know, as Ogeshi was just talking, I was thinking about how. Um, it's not limited either to, although I love, love films like Friction and, um, it's the best because it shows and reflects something that's a reality. It was a, in a way, you know, you really straight on prophesy something I'll get to that, you know, just a couple of years later is a movement again. Um, you know, I call it the new civil rights movement. So that's how, how I view it. But I was thinking about, um, Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, have you seen Oh, right. It? Right. Yeah. So, like, there, this should be, it should be cross-genres, and, you know, there's a movie that's, uh, I mean, horror thriller, right, with some comedic elements, but it's amazingly powerful look at racism, the subtleties of racism. So you, you can do this yep. in, in any genre, and it should be done in mm-hmm. more genres, just so that it becomes... Normal. It's like right. normalizing it, like mm-hmm. like <laughs> wearing a mask. You know, wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> right. when, when, whenever things are changing, we have to normalize them. Yep. So if you be yep. like, "What's this? A horror movie about racism?" Absolutely, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It should yep. be, yep. be everywhere because to me, that movie was. I was just blown away by even some of the art in it and the. um there was so much symbolism on so many levels, and I love that, right? I love that. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I see this as a big renaissance in, I think it will be all the arts, and filmmaking is so powerful because we're looking yes. and we're seeing people moving and animated in a way, you know, with the lives, in a way that maybe other art forms are um, not quite as, 3d right yeah i was i was watching this uh documentary 
yesterday um, or, or a 30 for 30 documentary on Bruce Lee. And he, you know, he was cast in the, oh, now I'm going to get this. Oh, the Green Hornet as the uh, quote unquote sidekick. And then he took a stand. He was like, I'm not a sidekick. You know, I need some lines. Right. And yep. then he vowed that he didn't want to do those stereotypical roles anymore. He went to the movie theater with his wife at the time and saw, you know, all white actors p- playing Asians in films. And right. it was, he went to that sunken place, you know, and he was like, I'm no longer going to accept that role. I'm not, I'm no longer going to take on roles that have no spiritual relevance. And he made that change. And he, when he went back to uh, Hong Kong, he, he was on a Warner Brothers set and he was like, I'm not coming back to set unless I, mm. I can change these words in the movies or add these words in the movies because there's no, there's no higher relevance to what I'm doing and I have to make the change. And I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, gosh, I didn't, I didn't realize all the stuff that he did to bring Asians back on the screen. And if we don't make that stand, if we keep accepting roles of, of prostitutes and killers and drug people, you know, what I wanted to ask you guys is what happens if black people stop doing that? If other people of color stopped accepting those roles, what, <laughs> what would there be? What do you think that would mm. look like? Ogechi? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think it, it boils down to the gatekeepers. And I think it was Steve Harvey that said this and I was like, wow, that's it. He said, Hollywood is more racist than America. And it is the truest statement I've I've heard because the gatekeepers are these studio execs, are are these people in these high, super high positions that control what is made, that controls who is writing, that controls who is directing. Um, and that is the core of like the systemic racism that we're talking about because that is so embedded in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry. It's it's wild, and this is where you see it because those roles are only being offered for certain people. You know, the diverse characters that would represent all kinds of emotions that you can exhibit to show that you're an actual actress, you know, that's not being offered, right? But I, so I think that it's difficult because people have representation. So it's, it's a whole ladder of where the change right. needs to occur. And I, it, uh, it starts at the top because then how are they going to, you know, how are they going to get the food on the table if they're not accepting certain roles at a certain level? So this, we're, we're not, so I wonder what level Bruce Lee was at, right? That, that he had that power. So when you do have that power, when you reach that level, like I, I remember hearing, I think it was, hmm, might have been Swali, so someone, no, um, maybe Sway, some radio host was talking about like the rise of Beyonce and how her work just progressively has gotten more and more quote unquote black and, and how it, it took her to get to a certain level to have more creative control. And it's just so sad that that is the case, you know, that we are saying that, that we're saying like, okay, we can now be black. Okay. We got it to the level where, okay, I can now be like, Hey, by the way, black, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to write for myself or I'm going to write, you know, it's, it's, it's to that level of just like, wow, this is ridiculous. This is just like, it, it's a joke at this point. Right. So I think but that is so difficult. Yeah. 
but the, uh, Bruce Lee was also saying how he understands that it's about money as well. It's like, well, I can't yeah. put you in, you know, this role because, yeah. you know, the studio isn't going to accept an Asian yeah. man as the lead character and therefore yeah. I won't make money. And yeah. Bruce Lee yeah. was like, hey, well, you know, I understand that. I, I understand mm -hmm. that. But how can I get around this? How can I right. still advance in what I would like to do and how I would like to change the world and right. still make money? Mm -hmm. it, it's a collective work as well. I think that when it, Bruce Lee is, he, that name in itself is like, okay, you have a whole army behind you just behind your name, you know? So when it's at other levels, it's collectively like, okay, we all need to be on this page. Like, we need to have more Black writers. We need to have more Black producers. You know, it's it's a matter of um, above and below the line. So I think it's it's a matter of also creating on your own. Um, I've been doing that, and I know that it's not, I'm not rich, not, like, not at all. Like, it's, it's not even, I don't even have clout, you know, at this point. But it's still so satisfying, and I, I, I believe it's beautiful work, and I still, I'm still going to do it. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I know that it, it's not reaching the level of of being on on, you know, on the cover of things or or having that red carpet. It's not there yet. And that's OK, because I'm like just satisfied with it. And I know when I put in that work, eventually, I think it will people are now I mean, now more than ever, people are starting to open up their eyes to see and accept more because it does make money. I mean, we have mm -hmm. a couple of examples. Black Panther, like that, that movie, it broke all the records. You know, mm -hmm. so we, yeah. we have to deconstruct that mentality. So it goes back to the first part of this interview. It's our mentality. We we, we keep telling, oh, it's not going to make money. Uh, you know, we, we can't have you as a feature. No, no, no. You keep, that's the narrative. That's the false narrative that is fueled with racism. It's like, no, that's not the case. Like, that's just not... That's not necessarily the case at all. So it's it's just kind of deconstructing that and um, kind of supporting each other when whomever has the power to be whomever is at that EP right. level, you know, support. So it's it's not even top down and bottom up. It's everywhere. Everyone needs to right. start just to kind of accept uh, that mentality that you you need to change how you're thinking about it. Um, but it's difficult to say, and I, I just keep saying the gatekeepers. You know, they're the most racist ones. And they've they've been they've inherited this um, racism, and I feel like they're old white men who are. I I mean, there are certain ways that, and there are certain mentalities that I, it's not mm, not. I, I hope it's uh, teachable and able to kind of change your ways. But these pressures of the movements we have right now, the pressures of being quote unquote canceled, these pressures of holding yourself accountable for just being a good person. I think that's why, and that's how we're going to really see things even out and more, more change and just more representation because it's like, we cannot stop pressuring. Um, Cause there's talent there. The money is there. You know, people will buy like that's, that's, always been the case like you're watching all the sports right you're you're clicking on that channel to see that talented black man do what you've got to do you know you're seeing it, it's all here our talent um is is valued um so it needs to reach hollywood that our talent is valued in hollywood as well and that has not been the case time and time after again so i think that that's something we're all going to have to work on
Right. And Shiana, I know you and Fed, you guys have your own studio and you guys are doing so many wonderful things and lead by example. Talk about some of the projects you're working on now um, with your girls as your, your young ladies as well. <laughs> um, so we, we know more about it and how you guys are working to change yeah. the dynamic. Uh-huh. Um, well, I agree a hundred percent with Ogechi and that it's a collective, I mean, it really is a collective movement. I, what I had going through my mind as I was listening, Ogechi, is, you know, the old saying, um, say, um, think globally, act locally. Did I do it mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. That's more, <laughs> that's more, uh, relevant than ever right now because it's this funny thing about being, at home, alone together, is that we almost are forced to look more at our own communities, right? Um, like, I think it's easy somehow to not um, be as attentive sometimes when uh, we have more freedom and we can go anywhere and we can be everywhere. But right now, it's like you're making little short trips maybe around L.A., most, most people, unless we're, you know, traveling for something in particular right now. And so, you know, you, you pass that homeless encampment under the bridge, you, you see it because you can see it. We see it every day in or, you know, normal circumstances, but now it, it almost stands out more. Right. So there's that thing about, and in terms of filmmaking, absolutely. Um, you know, it's like the little actions that we do in everyday life. Um, I know, Fern, I was telling you, and I was just telling you, Ogechi, that both of my girls were kind of recruited by acting agents um, online. My younger one before uh, quarantine and my oldest one was approached by two different agents, uh, three actually, I think. They go through and they see people's profiles that aren't represented, and if they like them, they'll, I guess, just reach out. And so... Um, one of them was just straight ahead. Um, I knew it wasn't a good fit. And then there was, um, there were two other agents. One was, uh, um, run by a white woman. One was run by a black woman. And, uh, they both seemed to have good reviews. They both seemed good. And so I chose to, one of the things I try to do is try to support black businesses. And that's not like a big gold star on my forehead, the reason why I'm saying it, but just because I know that's something I can do that makes me feel like on a very small level, I'm just making a choice that I feel good about and that I feel like just promotes more of a collective among all of us right now, right? Um, and in terms of our filmmaking and writing, I was telling you, guess you were focusing on, focusing on stories that have have characters that who's been heard or who are uh you know one of the characters in the uh, TV series that we've developed is based on a woman's true story in the Bronx in the 50s and um Jewish woman working with other in, in a hospital setting where the staff there was some diversity among the you know the um the physical therapist and a little bit among the nurses in this hospital. It's a, she was a physical therapist, so that's the, that's the uh, career she had. 
but the doctors were all white men. And the patients at that time were really very diverse because they were Korean War vets and uh, polio victims and so really all across the board. So um, anyway, the long and the short of it is it's about her story as a woman trying to having different ideas about what could help these men. Uh, she was young too, like 20, 21 or so. And just the way she was um, disrespected, the way she was not heard and the arc that her methods are helping the patients more than their own kind of archaic methods that just were just not helpful and didn't take into account the whole person. One of our one of our stories, um, she's amazing, even to this day, last time I saw her, she just has an incredible energy and she had many other things she has done during her life actually. That was just phase one. But um another story is about a guy who's uh Latin American but raised in North America who is raised kind of like a Latino who's uh not in touch with his completely absorbed into the mainstream stream culture here as opposed to his parents who were actually born, you know, in Central America. So anyway, it's about his story and how he has to go back to Central America. It's a thriller because he's being framed for a crime he didn't commit here. And it's really a journey about how everything, he sort of learns all about his culture and even working in the indigenous culture, um, some shamanism. We've got a really rich kind of a, a world we're creating with that. So, you know, we try to try to write what we feel you know, what moves us. And when Ogechi was talking about how she feels good just doing things on her own, we're pretty much been doing the same thing. <laughs> just right. writing, just doing. And now eventually, it's funny, we just sort of, I think what happens is that's how you build your personal power. And the belief really just, you know, builds you, the belief kind of builds the energy, it grows and it grows. And eventually, then you're going to attract the people you need. But that's how I think it happens. Um you know, to, to to go to the next level and then the next level. So just keep believing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you'll, you'll find other people who are like-minded, who are also working for the same cause, working with the same, like energy meets like energy. Does that make sense? You know, we're, we're actually yeah. attracting, it's not so much opposite attract, like what we're, what we're taught. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. I think like attracts like. Right. Ogechi, you said you're working on a documentary right right now. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes. So I'm currently in Cleveland and doing a pickup shoot, and I am um, wrapping up on this documentary called The Hodge. And based all about, it's my first documentary, and um, it's all about Cleveland artists, specifically conscious artists who are part of this art collective group called The Visit. And I'm following one of the members of this art collective called Lolita. And I met her when I was consulting, doing healthcare IT consulting five years ago. Cleveland is my city. I can't really imagine myself living anywhere else. I've traveled all over this country and for the most part, I've had a love-hate relationship with Cleveland. But it is where my heart is. My family lives here. It's the life source of me. Is where my heart is, and this is also where my art is. 
I find it's a lazy city though. Most of the energy goes into the nice areas, like the downtown area in the theater district. It seems like the rich get richer here, and while three minutes to the east, the poor gets poorer. There's a huge sense of abandonment here in this city, and I don't want the Hodge to be another abandoned Cleveland building. My heart is in the city, and it lives at the Hodge. So I've been shooting and completing this documentary for the past five years. Um, had a break in between due to budget. So now we're, we have this opportunity to wrap up. Um, but basically we're trying to, trying to tell the story of the Hodge and the people living in it. The Hodge is a restored, I uh, used to be a school actually. So it's a restored place, a restored um, housing specifically for artists. That was the original uh, intent of that restorative uh, process and that whole project and the people living within these walls it's it's just so dramatic like the exterior how it looks that it looks like a breakdown school it looks abandoned like most buildings in cleveland um but inside it's such beautiful art such beautiful people and raising awareness to what is occurring in cleveland uh specifically the gentrification is what the core of the documentary is but it also there's so much i mean and the core of gentrification is systemic racism and and that's just kind of um a whole nother theme that just keeps coming back with my projects and specifically telling the story through the eyes of the people on the floor you know here living it and going through it is something I was very much interested in doing because my past work has all been narrative. Um, essentially, I do think it's the same as I'm working and researching and just interviewing people. It's really what I've been doing with my other, my, uh, like the fiction projects. And so I, I love the similarities. Uh, the difference is, is that it's real people that we are, you know, it's not acting, you know, it's not, it's not me coaching them. It's, it's kind of coaching the story. Um, so that's been an interesting process and seeing that I've, I've loved this process and I'm very excited to bring this to light just because it's once again, relevant, <laughs> like all this work is what's happening right now. Um, and being mm-hmm. here right now in this pandemic, being completely safe, of course, and I'm, I'm doing, um, the, the shooting and the interviewing. So the one woman crew, um, and we're not in, we're only doing one pickup interview. So, and that's, that's I'm very excited for that one interview just because it's um, it's a a story that kind of unfortunately it's very circular because mm-hmm. the tenant is no longer living in that building and gentrification occurred and he got pushed out and I want to he's he's been through it so there's been quite the I guess the progress of the story over the past mm. five years in in their lives as well as the American people. So I think this documentary is going to be a very important piece to put out just because I'm, I'm telling it all, I'm showing it all, um, and I'm <laughs> trying to kind of uncover, yeah, uncover these hidden truths in Cleveland itself, which is mm-hmm. a reflection of how we need to continue to uncover the hidden truths of, um, of America and what's going on so that we can continue to raise awareness so that we can bring it out to light yeah. and, and handle it. Yeah. I lived in Cleveland for a bit and... Uh, wow. There was this place called Caramu House. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where we're gonna present <laughs> when it's done. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. When it's done, maybe that's the main uh, words. But 
Yeah, they, they're what? supportive. They're very supportive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it, it was such a great community of artists that, you know, have very fond memories of Cleveland. So I'm glad you're doing that. Well, thank ladies, you. I, I want to thank you guys so much for sharing your story, sharing your life, and how we can move forward in this time of change um, in a positive direction and I truly appreciate your time and if you both, Shiana, can you tell us how we can find out more about you and uh, see what you and your family are doing? I have a YouTube page which uh, mainly I use for my I have been mainly using that for my more esoteric sound work Um, you know, I've been thinking about starting to sort of use that in a different way. So maybe, <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm Shiana Lyons, <laughs> S-I-A-N-N-A-L-Y-O-N-S. And uh, my daughters go by for their music, which is what they're really focusing on right now. It's uh, Kira, K-I-E-R-A, uh, Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. And my younger goes by Fia, F-I-A, Rose. R O S E. So they 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 took sort of bite sized names for their or names that they wanted for the music, but they're Kira and Sophia uh, Gonzalez Lyons. I forgot to say that uh, last week's show and this week's show, Kira was so kind to lend her voice to the show with her music and her new album that's out. So, um, oh, that's thank right. you. Yes, yes. Never go looking for trouble Tis a foolish thing to do Spend months on end And I can't pretend That I've stopped looking for you And it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes And it keeps on going You know when you're gone and I'm goes and it keeps on going to be able to run from your troubles is the greatest joy of all but be careful when running you may slip and go tumbling if you run too fast you will fall and it goes it goes it goes Turns, it turns, it turns, it turns, it turns, and it keeps on turning. Even when I 
How can we get a hold of you and find out more about your work? Yes. Um, my website is my name, so www.ogechinusa.com. Um, and you'll see all kinds of things there, lots of trailers and just information about my filmmaker mission. And then my pages. So I'm very active on Instagram. Um, my Instagram, my personal handle is getchatme, G-E-C-H-A-T-M-E. And there you're going to see a couple links in my profile to my film pages. And I want to give a huge shout out to my team um, and everyone working for Raw Productions. Love you guys because they are helping a lot with posting. Uh, Sabrina's Aww. been doing great. All, she's been with me from the get. Yeah, so uh, Claudia's on board now helping out with a lot of social stuff. Evan's been editing. So I want to give a nice shout out to everyone um, who has worked for me in the past, like since Friction, since Myths. And that's like a short film, like, you know, a, like a, a random film at college or mm-hmm. actually the first one is Tristina. Like from the get go, just because I'm realizing, just talking into you, I'm like, wow, it's not just me. You know, I, I have these big hacks, but I've worked with so many people who have just given that their 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 life, you know, or not even just yeah, that's a little dramatic, but given given their <laughs> energy, like Shana was saying, it really takes like energy. Um, because I've worked with people who don't have the same energy because this is right. difficult work. It's so oh man, it's 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 hard. It's hard. So I appreciate the people who suffer through and um, also just like excel through as well. More so excelling. Let's not talk about the suffering, but <laughs> we're all indie filmmakers, we know. But I just wanted to give them a shout out too because they're, they're on my pages as well helping out. Um, so Friction has their, its own page, Friction Film, and you can find that on my uh, website. It's currently on Vimeo. It got taken off of Amazon because of a couple of client complaints. I won't go there. I don't want it on Amazon anyways. Okay. Um, <laughs> <and> then, 
I was wondering yeah. about that. Because I yeah. saw it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, and it's not there. I got to post. Mm. Yeah, I got to expose them real quick. But then, I, yeah, it's like a bittersweet moment. Um, But as you know, the content of friction is very, um, I guess, controversial, even though it's what, you know, I'm bringing the truth. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. Uh, um, and it affects So you're, you're saying so, that viewers, viewers are someone who had seen it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Processed yes. it? Yes, they said it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was client uh, dissatisfaction, and Amazon said we take our client feedback to the utmost, uh, you know, to the utmost authority or something like that. And I'm just like, oh gosh, are you serious? So I fought it for a second, and then I was like, you know what? I don't want you guys to make this money off of this. You forget about it, like whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. they didn't respond um, after a while. Actually, when I asked to see these reports. Um, that they had with multiple client complaints. So I'm like, can I see what was said? Like, what, freedom of speech, what's going on? Like, you know, so they didn't right. respond after that. Yeah, so that, that was a whole debacle. But I, I realized that there's, there's always a reason for everything, of course. And mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I, don't mind. I don't mind that it's not on Amazon. I don't support um, certain morales of certain people over there. So, so I think right. that it, it's okay. Yeah, it's on Vimeo. And I have that all on my website as well. And then, as you know, Shiana, Mateo, and Cliff, it's still in post-production, but that page mm-hmm. on Instagram, we're using it to kind of have this campaign to highlight why uh, Mateo and Cliff is about a homeless black man, why that is the highest population of homeless people in this world, why that occurs, and that's systemic racism. There's so many different um, pathways that lead to homelessness. So I wanted to bring that to light, because I felt a type of way of having that as a main role because of the stereotypes I'm trying to fight. But then again, in this in this way, we can kind of bring light to why you are always seeing this, you know? Not just accepting it or like, oh, ooh, that's the stereotype. No, no, no. There's a reason for that. Um, so that's that page, Mateo and Cliff. And then Friction Film, we're raising awareness to the police brutality and all the victims. You know, we're, we're highlighting their birthdays. We're, we're making sure everyone's yeah. remembering to say their names, say his name, say her name. So that's those are my pages. Yeah, so there's a bit more than just the film because of the content of the stories, but check out my Instagram, check out my website. You'll see all that good stuff there. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much again for sharing your story. I truly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. (laughs) This is 710 ESPN. The experience never never stops on your station. 710 ESPN. Make it home. 
If you run out of time, there's no point in crying. You cannot go back, time will not rewind. None of us will see the end of time. What's the reason we were here at all? We'll never know why. Hurry back now. Hurry back now. I don't care how. Just make it all somehow. Hurry back now. Hurry back now. I don't care how. Just make it all somehow. Everyone you know. Everyone you love will say goodbye You can try to stop it To find a way But it won't work no matter how hard you try oh. Hurry back
Feel your body let go all the troubles and all the tensions and all the thoughts of the day as you just breathe. You've been listening to The Experience with Laverne Cusack. Getting the residents of Los Angeles, Orange County, and all of Southern California closer to their community. It's The Experience with Laverne Cusack on 710 ESPN. ESPN.